Welcome to Inspire Church's podcast. We're excited you're listening. Our hope is to inspire you to grow in God's Word, to grow more in love with Christ, and to go be a light wherever you are. To find more teachings or donate to the ministry, visit us at inspirechurches.com. Inspire Church family, it is good. Another Sunday, church at home. We are here with a live studio audience. Leaders, man, let me hear you really quick. Oh, music to my ears. Not that I do this for applause, but I got to say, I love the applause. If you are a leader at Inspire Church, a captain, a coach, a pastor, and you haven't been able to be with us yet on these Fridays, we have one more preview service on Friday. And so I hope you can make it out. Everyone else, thank you so much. Friends, family, it's so great to be with you wherever you're watching from us from, wherever, what time, whatever day it is. My name is Philip. I am the lead pastor of Inspire Church. And this is Exile. This is the way. We are now in Daniel chapter 9. So if you have your Bibles at home, your Bible apps, you can go with us to Daniel chapter 9. On the car ride here, I started to think about this message and I just want, you know, I started thinking, man, how can I prepare everyone watching like what this message is going to be about? Like typically, if you remember a few years ago, a few years ago, a year ago, when we gathered, I used to say like, put your seatbelts on. Like this is going to be one of those messages. And I started to think about an alarm clock. Now an alarm clock is super helpful It's super practical. Like, thank God for an alarm clock. Amen? Like, if it wasn't for an alarm clock, I mean, we would be late to things. We'd be late to work. We would miss important events. I mean, thank God for the practicality of an alarm clock. Like, what an amazing uh, 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 device that is so helpful. But (laughs) when we're actually asleep and the alarm clock goes off, We can't stand it. I mean, it's loud. I mean, it has the most annoying sound in the world. They, like, do that on purpose, right? And, like, you just want to smash it with a hammer and hit the snooze. And so even though we love the alarm clock, the alarm clock wakes us up from a deep sleep. And kind of our first impulse is like, man, I can't stand this alarm clock. That's how I feel about this message today. Like, I might come off. Like an alarm clock, like I might say some really challenging things today. You might want to like throw your remote, you know, at the TV. You might want to kick your computer. You want to slam it with a hammer. Just remember, we all love the alarm clock because of what it brings to our lives and how it helps us. But in the moment, we get a little annoyed with it. So do me a favor as I get into this message today. Would you just allow the Holy Spirit to open up your heart? As I get into this word, and I might challenge you, it might sting a little bit, but I promise you, it's going to be helpful and for your good. I want to do something a little different with the text today in Daniel chapter 9. I almost, I want to take a step out of uh, uh, the, the, the weeds of Daniel 9, and I want to take what is a 30,000 foot view of the simple devotion Daniel has to the Lord. I just want to observe Daniel's simple devotion to the Lord. Now, if you've been with us, like the visions of Daniel are 
are super complex, right? I mean, we're talking about beasts and horns and goats and rams and horns talking. Uh, uh, and, and we can sometimes get so caught up in those just deep revelations, right? Uh, and trying to decode what does it all this mean, like the times, the seasons, the personalities. But again, today I want to kind of, I want to stay above the weeds of the revelation And I simply want to be inspired by Daniel's simple devotion. You're going to hear me refer to that phrase, simple devotion, because I'm entitling this message, Simple Devotion. So here it is. Before we read the text, here is the 30,000 foot view of chapter nine before we jump into it. Here it is. It's simple. If you're taking notes, it's this. Number one, Daniel studied the scriptures. Number two, Daniel prays to the Lord. And number three, the Lord answers Daniel's prayer. Simple devotion. And I want to remind you, Daniel is full of history. It's full of prophecy. But from the very beginning, we told you that it's all about practicality. So our goal, and our goal has been for the majority of this series is your discipleship. So I pray this morning that everyone watching and those of you who are here today would be inspired by Daniel's simple devotion to the Lord. Let's go ahead and read the text. It was the first year of the reign of Darius the Mede, the son of Ahasuerus, who became king of the Babylonians. During the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, learned from reading the word of the Lord as revealed to Jeremiah the prophet that Jerusalem must lie desolate for 70 years. So I turned to the Lord God and pleaded with him in prayer and fasting. I also wore a rough burlap and sprinkled myself with ashes. I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed, O Lord, you are great and awesome God. You always fulfill your covenant and keep your promises of unfailing love to those who love you and obey your commands. But we have sinned and done wrong. We have rebelled against you and scorned your commands and regulations. We have refused to listen to your servants, the prophets, who spoke on your authority to our kings and princes and ancestors and to all the people of the land. Lord, you are in the right, but as you see, our faces are covered with shame. This is true of all of us, including the people of Judah and Jerusalem and all Israel scattered near and far, wherever you have driven us because of our disloyalty to you. O Lord, we and our kings, princes, and ancestors are covered with shame because we have sinned against you. But the Lord our God is merciful and forgiving, even though we have rebelled against him. We have not obeyed the Lord our God, for we have not followed the instructions he gave us through his servants, the prophets. All Israel has disobeyed your instructions and turned away, refusing to listen to your voice. So now the solemn curses and judgments written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, have been poured down on us because of our sin. We have kept your word and done to us, you have kept your word and done to us and our rulers exactly as you warned. Never has there been such a disaster as happened in Jerusalem. Every curse written against us in the law of Moses have come true. Yet we have refused to seek mercy from the Lord our God by turning from our sins and recognizing his truth. 
Therefore, the Lord has brought upon us the disasters he prepared. The Lord our God was right to do all these things, for we did not obey him. O Lord our God, you brought lasting honor to your name by rescuing your people from Egypt in great display of power. But we have sinned and are full of wickedness. In view of all your faithful mercies, Lord, please turn your furious anger away from your city, Jerusalem, your holy mountain. All the neighboring nations mock Jerusalem and your people because of our sin and the sin of our ancestors. O our God, hear your servant's prayer. Listen as I plead. For your sake, Lord, smile again on your desolate sanctuary. O my God, lean down and listen to me. Open your eyes and see our despair. See how your city, the city that bears your name, lies in ruin. We make this plea not because we deserve help, but because of your mercy. O Lord, hear, O Lord, forgive. O Lord, listen and act. For your own sake, do not delay. O my God, for your people and your city bear your name. Gabriel's message about the anointed one. I went on praying and confessing my sin and the sin of my people, pleading with the Lord, my God, for Jerusalem, his holy mountain. As I was praying, Gabriel, whom I had seen in the earlier vision, came swiftly to me at the time of the evening sacrifice. He explained to me, Daniel, I have come here to give you insight and understanding. The moment you began praying, a command was given. And now I am here to tell you what it was, for you are very precious to God. Listen carefully so that you can understand the meaning of your vision. A period of 70 sets of seven has been decreed for your people and your holy city to finish their rebellion, to put an end to their sin, to atone for their guilt, to bring an everlasting righteousness, to confirm the prophetic vision, and to anoint the most holy place. Now listen and understand. Seven sets of seven plus 62 sets of seven will pass from the time the command is given to rebuild Jerusalem until a ruler, the anointed one, comes. Jerusalem will be rebuilt with cities, with streets and strong defenses, <clears throat> despite the perilous times. After this period of 72 sets of seven, the anointed one will be killed, appearing to have accomplished nothing, and a ruler will arise whose armies will destroy the city and temple. The end will come with the flood and war, and its miseries are decreed from that time to the very end. The ruler will make a treaty with the people for a period of one set of seven. But after half this time, he will put an end to the sacrifices and offerings. And as a climax to all his terrible deeds, he will set up a sacrilegious object that causes desecration until the fate decrees for this defiler is finally poured out on us, on him. Amen. What a complex text. We're going to dive deeper into the weeds of that text next Sunday. So make sure you tune in. But again, today, remember a 30,000 foot view of the simple devotion of Daniel. In fact, I want to thank Ricky for reading. And I want to know while he was reading, I wonder if you saw Daniel's simple devotion. Again, if you're taking notes, really simple. Number one, Daniel was studying the scriptures. Number two, Daniel prayed to the Lord. And number three, the Lord 
answered Daniel's prayer. Now, there was so much packed into this chapter, but if you would just kind of breathe and come to the surface of verse 1 and 2, you'll realize that shortly after Babylon fell, the scriptures tell us that Daniel was studying the scriptures. And the Bible tells us that while searching the writing of the prophet Jeremiah, did you know that Daniel was reading the Bible? Daniel was reading the prophet Jeremiah. And the Bible says that while searching the writing of the prophet Jeremiah, Daniel received wisdom and insight for the exile from the text. Now, what he realized and what he discovered is that Daniel had prophesied that the Babylonian exile would last 70 years. And guess what? Time was almost up. Again, we're going to dive deeper into what that means next week. But for now, I want to pause. I want to ponder. I want to marvel. I want to admire. I want to be challenged by. And I want to learn from Daniel's lifelong commitment to the word of God. I mean, think about all we've been through from chapter 1 to chapter 9. You see, Daniel, listen, from childhood, there was no doubt that Daniel was trained in the Word. Parents, if you're watching, if you're in here with me, take notes. Little did his father and mother know just how vital this discipleship would be to his survival. Why? Because in just a short amount of time, Daniel would be taken from his home and brought into a foreign land. There, are you ready? As a teenager, say that with me, there as a teenager, he'd resist the pleasures of the king and withstand the indoctrination of the University of Babylon. And I can't help but think of my son when I read this text. I can't help but think of Inspire Church, your kids, when I read this text. Why? Because little to no discipleship in the home produces little to no desire for God or the church. Alarm clock. And as a result, our children become easy prey to the temptations of the world. And many will end up walking away from Christ as soon as they enter into the University of Babylon. Meanwhile, the scripture is crystal clear. Proverbs 22, 6, everyone knows that. Train up a child in the way he should go. And guess what? Even when he's old, he'll not depart from it. I want to challenge you, not condemn you. Remember, alarm clock. But how can we expect our children to be filled with the word and ready to resist the world that we ourselves can't even commit? To a life of simple devotion. Now watch, you ready? Because Daniel was trained in the word as a boy, he was committed to the word as a man. Wow. 
Mic drop. Done. Done preaching. Because he was trained in the word as a boy, he was committed to the word as a man. And it will be the Lord's word that will sustain him through the twists and turns and ups and downs of the exile. As a young adult, come on, young adults, he'll stand before the king with his life on the line and he'll declare the supremacy of God without being concerned about whether or not it will affect his career or tarnish his reputation or ruin his life. As a middle-aged man, come on, somebody, I'm getting there. He'll see the most powerful man in the history of the world submit his life over to the honor and glory of God. Amen. Wow. Listen, we'll either live a life that attracts the world to Jesus or we'll live a life that's attracted to the world. Come on, young adult. Come on, middle age, we'll either live a life Amen. that attracts the world to Jesus or live a life that's attracted to the world. You see, Daniel's boss came to know Christ through his example. Wow. And many of us are compromising. Mm. Alarm clock. I love this, though. Watch this. As a young man, Daniel will have the courage to stand before kings. And as an old man, he'll have the courage to stand before lions. Wow. I don't know if you get that. Y'all yeah. remember that story? As a young man, he'll have the courage to stand before the most powerful man in the world and, to and declare the supremacy of God. And as an old man, he'll have the courage to stand before the lion in the den. Thank you, God. Yes, thank you, Lord. And now here in chapter 9, <laughs> Daniel, the octogenarian. <laughs> Y'all know what an octogenarian is? I just learned. It means a man in his 80s. Down here in chapter 9, Daniel, the octogenarian, has literally outlasted kings and kingdoms, remaining fully devoted to the word of God. And it's no surprise that we find him what? Studying the scriptures. When I think about Daniel in this text, I think about my dad. And I know a lot of times us older men, we have a pride, don't, you know, don't call me old. But there's something beautiful in the experience of age. But even more beautiful in that you're still walking with God. Daniel, dad reminds me of you as I read this text. You see, occasionally I drop by my dad's house to say hello. And many times I'll find him at the table, at the kitchen table. And sitting there by the table will be what he calls his eyes or his ojos. That's his glasses. Sitting at the table will be his eyes, his glasses, a study Bible, and a page of notes. Even at 82, an octogenarian, even at 82, my father, who has spent more time in ministry and in church than some of us have been alive, is still at the table in his study, being nourished by the word of the Lord. 
Maybe that's the fountain of youth. (laughs) Maybe that's the key to longevity. You see, without that kind of regular devotion, we would easily abandon ship, compromise our faith, and drown in fear, doubt, worry, and anxiety. I was thinking about it. You know, there's no such thing as growing old with the Lord. We're eternal. Look, though the body might be slowing down, the soul is being refreshed and renewed day by day in the word. Maybe that's why seasoned saints like my mom and dad can run circles around most of us. Seatbelts, alarm clock. Maybe that's why seasoned saints like my mom and dad can run circles around most of us. I see so many young adults and young married couples that look tired, defeated, dry, burnt out. We take more days off than ever before. We take more vacations than ever before. We get paid more than ever before. And even though those seasoned saints look older, their spirits are so much younger than ours. They outserve us. They outworship us. They outattend us at church. They're more full of passion and zeal and still work 50 hours a week. Maybe Proverbs 3, 7 is right. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Why? It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Maybe Proverbs 4, 20 through 22 is right. My son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart. Are you ready? For they are life to those who find them and healing to your bodies. And some of y'all thought you needed a gym membership. You don't need a gym membership. You need to start getting in your word. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe you feel the way you feel because your idols make terrible masters. Not a trip. Not a trip. People go through things or whatever. Usually the church is like the first place they pull back from. I know this. I've been a pastor a long time. I've pastored young adults. I've pastored youth. I've pastored older, all kinds. You know, you're, it's like, man, I'm going through so much stuff. You know, I'm going to pull back from, from connecting in community. I'm going to pull back from Sunday morning church. I'm just so tired of all this stuff. You know what? Maybe you feel the way you feel because it's not the church. It's not the word. It's not your devotion that's making you tired. But your idols make terrible masters. They're slave drivers. Maybe what's really killing you, don't turn me off. Don't smash me like an alarm clock, please. It's good for you. Maybe what's really killing you is your lack of simple devotion to God combined with your idolatrous devotion to self, to comfort, and to the pleasures of this world. That's why you look tired. That's why you're dry. That's why you're burnt out. Hmm. I have much to learn. Can I say this? I'd rather have an old body and a refreshed spirit than a young body and a tired soul. I'd rather have an old body and a refreshed spirit than a young body and a tired soul. We move on to verses three through 19 again, a 30,000 foot view of the devotion of Daniel. 
We're told that Daniel studied the scriptures, and guess what else he did? Daniel prayed to the Lord. Daniel prayed, man, long, along with his lifelong commitment to the word. Guess what? Daniel spent his life in dependency of prayer. I love this. Do you remember the story of Daniel? Let's go back. Seeking an interpretation for Nebuchadnezzar's dream, Daniel prayed. And when the interpretation came and the mystery was revealed, Daniel prayed. You see, Daniel prayed before when he needed God to come through. And Daniel prayed after when God came through. You know, that's what a simple devotion, a committed life looks like. You don't just pray when you need it. But a lot of us, when we get it, we forget to pray on the way home. (sighs) Daniel prayed before when he needed God to come through. And he prayed after, giving glory to God for coming through. Hmm. And by far, the most incredible aspect of Daniel's life. Y'all ready? By far the most incredible aspect of Daniel's prayer life was that Daniel valued prayer more than he valued his own life. Hmm. So when they outlawed prayer, y'all remember that? When they outlawed prayer by penalty of what? Death? Daniel prayed. (laughs) Yo, Daniel prayed. Daniel prayed. Daniel prayed. (laughs) The scripture tells us that when he knew prayer was outlawed, did you read the text? He says he knew that the bill was signed. He knew that that bill went into effect. You know what he did? He went straight home. The scripture says that he walked to the top floor. The upper room is what the scripture says. The Bible says he opened the window. He pulled back the drapes. He got on his knees and he prayed not once, not twice, but three times. I don't know if y'all are hearing me. He knew they had outlawed prayer. He knew that if he prayed, it would mean sudden death. So what did he do? He went home. He went up to the upper room. He removed the drapes. He opened the window. He bowed on his knees. He didn't pray once. He didn't pray twice. But he prayed three times and the haters were waiting. They knew this was a good trap because they knew he valued prayer more than he valued his life. Prayer was like oxygen for Daniel. How about us? I mean, I'm a pastor and this is this thing is convicting me, guys. <laughs> so vital to his spirit and so necessary for his soul. Daniel prayed even when prayer threatened his life. The only threats that we have to our prayer life are Netflix, Facebook, Instagram. The only Threats we have to our prayer life are Netflix, Facebook, Instagram. The only threats that we have to our prayer life, Jesus help me, are Netflix, Instagram, and my own selfish ambitions. Lord, have mercy on this generation. Wow. Alarm clock, y'all. Seatbelts. I'm I want to take these final moments. I want to land the plane. I'm going to do my best to land. I'm going to take these final moments together 
and then make two observations from Daniel's prayers. Don't get all excited. We still have a couple of more moments. <laughs> but I want to <laughs> make two observations from Daniel's prayer. Number one, if you're taking notes, number one, here it is. The contents of his prayer. And number two is the motivation of his prayer. Okay? Number one, the contents of Daniel's prayer. Listen to the heart of Daniel's prayer. And I read it to you guys, and Ricky did an amazing job listening. But let me rehash, are you ready? The heart of Daniel's prayer. Y'all ready? Verse five, we have sinned. Verse five, we have done wrong. Verse five, we had acted wickedly, rebelled, turned aside. Verse six, we have not listened to the prophets. Verse seven, to us belong open shame because of our treachery. Verses eight through 11, he repeats, open shame. We have sinned, rebelled, not obeyed, transgressed, turned aside, refused to obey. I'm gonna say that again. What were the contents of Daniel's prayer? We have sinned, done wrong, acted wickedly, rebelled, turned aside, not listened, open shame, treachery, he repeats, open shame, sinned, rebelled, not obeyed, transgressed, turned aside, refused to obey your law. What was the contents of Daniel's prayer? The contents of Daniel's prayer was confession and repentance, confession and repentance unto the Lord. And as I was preparing for the message this week, I had to stop and look at my own prayer life. And I had to ask, and when was the last time that I sat down and really articulated and itemized my sins before the Lord? Have you ever thought about that? Like, think about your prayer life. For some of you, it was just today. For some others, maybe it's been a while. But when is the last time that you sat down and began to articulate and itemize, repent, and confess? Wow. You know, we don't repent of our sin. We justify sin. Right? The ends justifies the means, right? I had no other choice, God. We don't repent of our sin. We minimize our sin, right? It's just a little, little lie. Nobody has to know. It's not going to hurt anyone. We don't repent of our sin. We ignore sin. Right? Some of us make no room for confession at all. And you've been walking around in the baggage of unrepented sin for years. Can you think about that? Right? We minimize sin. We ignore sin. We deny sin. We don't repent of our sin. We deny it. Can I say this? I think this is a real issue. We want to look good and impress people that we love. And so in order to maintain a certain status in their eyes, we hide and deny. You know, this is what hurts accountability in the church the most. Because we are all playing a part, living in our own righteousness, and we don't realize that we're living the righteousness of Christ. We don't tell the truth about our life, our struggles, our sins, because we want everyone to think that we're so good. Because God forbid if we told the truth, they would reject us. That is not the gospel. You have believed a false gospel. Because you think that the, the, the uh, acceptance of God is predicated on good works. Oh, my gosh. You are living in a false reality of the gospel. Wow. We justify sin. We minimize sin. We ignore sin. We deny sin. How about this? We blame sin on someone or something else, don't we? We're really good at that. The devil made me do it. That's always the joke. The devil made me do it, right? But it's more than that, right? It's their fault I am the way that I am. Look what happened to me. 
right? We, we give ourselves permission to be sinful in the present because of something in the past. And, and I, I want to come alongside you. I want to pray with you. I want to agree that you have been traumatized and hurt and wounded and those things in the past come to your present, but you're still accountable for the Lord. In a culture that prefers to speed past honesty and avoid accountability, as followers of Christ who understand the gospel, we must be countercultural. Let our prayer lives declare us to be repenters and confessors. Let your prayer life declare you to be a repenter and a confessor. You know what? If you die, I hope I find your prayer life written down and you've repented and confessed and all this stuff. Like you're like, man, I don't want anyone to know anything. No, let it be declared that you have lived not in your own righteousness, which is filthy rags, but you have lived in the righteousness of Christ. And therefore you have created a prayer life of repenting and confessing. The contents of his prayer and finally the motivation of Daniel's prayer. Do you guys notice that the wisdom and insight Daniel gained from the word in verses one and two prompted to pray? So Daniel was reading the word and the wisdom and insight that he gained from the word prompt him what? To pray. Daniel's life in the word fueled his life in prayer. Some of us aren't praying because we're not in the word. Some of us are not in the word because we're not praying. You see, they fuel one another. A life of what? Simple Devotion. First, the Holy Spirit illuminated the text, and then the Holy Spirit inspired the prayer. St. Isidore said this, prayer purifies us, reading instructs us. Both are good when both are possible. If we want to be always in God's company, we must pray regularly. And read regularly. I love this comment. You ready? When we pray, we talk to God. When we read, God talks back. <laughs> Some of y'all, man, I haven't heard from the Lord. Like, y'all are waiting for dreams. You're waiting for prophets. You guys are waiting for someone to come up and just tell you and read you. Get in your word, y'all. When we pray, we talk to God. When we read, guess what? He talks back. Some of y'all aren't hearing from God because guess what? Not in your word. All spiritual growth comes from reading and reflection. Do you struggle to pray? Do you find yourself running out of things to say? Do you feel like your prayer life is dry, dull, repetitive, non-existent? I think I've used this illustration at Inspire before. You want to know why we have awkward silences? It's because we don't know somebody. You ever sat with somebody at a restaurant? Maybe your girlfriend asked you to tag along, you know, oh God, I want you to meet my friends, whatever. You sit there and you have nothing in common. It's awkward. Some of y'all, I'm awkward. I don't like awkward silences. I'm in and out of conversations. I fear awkward silences. You want to know why we have awkward silences? It's because there's a lack of connection. There's a lack of intimacy. So if your prayer life is awkwardly silent, it's because you're missing connection. With God. Simple devotion is simply setting time aside to be with the Lord in the Word and in prayer. Mm. Write that down. Simple devotion is simply setting 
time aside to be with the Lord in the word and in prayer. When I read the word, the word exposes my motives. When I read the word, the word discerns my thoughts. When I read the word, the word softens my heart and directs my prayers. So what was Daniel's secret, this octogenarian? <laughs> what was his secret? How was he able to hear from the Lord? This was a man of revelation. I mean, he had visions. What was his secret? Listen, and if you can write this down, Daniel was a man of big revelation because he was a man of simple devotion. Daniel was a man of big revelation because he was a man of simple devotion. You want to know the will? You want to know God's will for your life? You want to know his direction, his timing for your life? Simple devotion. Finally, let that be said of us in Jesus Christ, our Lord, that we loved him, that we pursued him, and that we knew him because we were a, prayer, a people of prayer and the word. I want to say that one final time and we're going to finish. And I want you to clap as loud as you can when I finish. Here it is. Are you ready? Let that be said of our lives in Christ Jesus, that we loved him, that we pursued him, and that we knew him because we were a people of prayer and the word. Simple devotion. This is the way. God bless you. Thank you for joining us for this week's Inspire Churches podcast. Don't forget to share or subscribe to join us every Sunday. You can keep up with Inspire Churches through Instagram at Inspire Churches or on Facebook at facebook.com slash Inspire Churches. To support the ministry, you can click on the link in the description or visit us at inspirechurches.com for more information.